Welcome to the Kingsley Grant Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you become the leader everyone loves and wants to follow. Kingsley believes his leadership paradigm, emotelligence, the art of succeeding where others failed, is the key to achieving this status. On this show, Kingsley guides you through the uncharted waters of emotional intelligence and leadership essentials, with the guarantee that upon exit, you will become more skilled in relationship management, decision-making, and job performance. Now here's your host, your coach, and your Sherpa, Kingsley Grant. Here we go, here we go, here we go. This is your boy, Kingsley Grant, behind the Jamaican microphone, bringing you yet another show. Today, I am coming to you from the command center of the Immortelligent Leadership Institute, where I am in an undisclosed location because I'm written into the vault of where I have stacks and stacks of the resources that I have, especially for you. They are selected. So today, I'm going to reach as right now into the vault. Okay, I've, I, I've got it. Oh, yeah, let me put that down here. All right, we've got it. We've got it. And with that, we're going to unpack or unfold what we are here to talk about today. And that is five reasons for low engagement and high turnovers. And, and this is something I want to begin by asking this question. Is this something that you've experienced? Have you seen this? Have you been firsthand? Have you done this? Where you actually left a place of employment or you've had some of your best people left leave your place of employment because of the low engagement. There is not a reason given to want to stay. There is not enough, let's put it this way, enough reasons given to want to stay. After you have worked hard and you have tried to do your best as an employee, and then to think that what it is you've done is not valued, why would you want to stay in a place where you're not, in a sense, feel as if you're wanted? You know, I, I remember growing up hearing this phrase or this, I would just say, uh, one of the things that have, you know, it could be cultural. I'm not sure if it's something that is universal, but we would hear this. Do not go where you're not wanted. Do not go where you're not wanted. Is that, have you ever heard that? Is that something that you have also grown up hearing or may have heard as an adult? I don't go where I'm not wanted. And so I remember that a number of my friends, or let's put it this way, those of my age in, in school and in my neighborhood in Jamaica at the time, much younger, and of course, you're immature, you're not yet have the maturity to understand that there are differences in people and there are personality differences. Those things you don't know as a young child. You just expect everybody to be like you. And if you are a kind person, a giving person, 
a loving person, you just automatically expect everyone to be that way. Am I right? And when they're not, it really bruises your your your. It bruises you, right? You you feel the pain, the hurt, the rejection, and, and we we tend to kind of go in our corner and we sulk as a result of that. Why? Because we don't want to experience pain. And and one of the things about our human nature is to move away from pain. And I remember that there were certain groups that I would try to get into. And when I never was able to, and I would share this with my parents or my mom mainly, because my dad really didn't have time for this, but I would share that with my mom and that was what was what she would say, because it was a saying that was very common, and adults understand understood that they would say, "Hey, don't go where you're not wanted." And so I grew up hearing that, and that was something that I've held with me, and I, I still do to some degree because I can I can now sense I have the awareness to sense where I may not be wanted. That happens in the workplace. People go to a workplace with a sense of wanting to be a part of something. They, they go there because they want to help the organization achieve certain goals because they believe in that organization. So in a sense, they have voluntarily joined with that company. And, and, and in a sense, they're thinking, well, I must be wanted here because they hired me. But then to their surprise, they begin to experience certain things that tells them or informs them differently. And they begin to wonder. And the more they sit on that and think about that, the more it comes to them that they probably are not wanted. And and this may not be totally accurate. I would just say for the most part, it probably is not an accurate information that this person is going on, right? Info- accurate knowledge. It's, it's something that comes through our own uh, perceived ideas, our perceived thoughts. It's what we, our perception, right? Which is what shapes our reality. And sometimes our perception is not accurate, but that is our reality, is our truth, and then we act on that. And so I believe that sometimes your best talents, your best people leave, which in a in a manner where that is not healthy, but it could have been avoided. It could have been avoided if there have been channels put in place that Possibly this person would feel safe enough and encouraged and kind of welcomed enough to do to have that conversation. And there is something that could be done or is being done to create a healthier environment where this person doesn't have to feel that way. Then we would not end up losing or leaving an organization that we really enjoyed working at or our people, our best people, enjoyed working at initially. So I want to talk about then five reasons for low engagement 
and and high turnovers? What could those five reasons be? And I want to share this with you. And I want you to think about this from a, your position and ask the question, which of these are you guilty of? Or is your company guilty of? And so the first one that I have is this. Slow to re-engage people during transition. There is a lot happening, especially because of artificial intelligence and this idea of automation, robotics, and all the the different aspects of that, where it's interrupting what we once knew. There are also mergers occurring as some companies are being bought out by other companies. And so what happened, it creates an anxiety kind of vacuum where people are in this vacuum. They don't know really what's going on. Questions they have are not being answered or they're not having a forthcoming answer. And so there's not clear communication taking place. There is a a sense of deception or it's almost you could feel it in the air. A sense of like, hmm, something is up. Have you ever had that feeling where something just does not feel right? People are, um, they they have that that, um, instinctual feeling that there's something just off. I, I see that many times in relationship, right? Where with your partner, if you are a married person and you find that with your spouse, you're thinking, mm, or even your children that you know very well, or even with your friend or friends you hang out with, there's something just is just not right. And you can feel it. You can, you can you, you sense it. That is what's happening during a transition of some kind. And, and so what happened when, the, when there's a failure to reframe what's happening to make sure the people who are wondering have at least at least an adequate explanation. They don't have to know everything because probably as a leader, you don't even know everything. You, you just really are concerned because you're seeing the productivity is, you know, is down. You're seeing performance is being impacted. Your, your star people are no longer starring in their production productivity and their performance as they did prior to the announcement of the merger or the bringing in of the automation and because of artificial intelligence, this whole digital era that they're now in, right? People are moving away from the, the, the products are changing to more digital products, right? We're going through that transformation. And, and so people are, are, are at, they haven't, they're not easy. They're, there's not at ease, right? There's a, a, a distress or is a, a stressful time. And as a leader, your ability to re-engage people, and again, it's through your relationship building, you know, in my, my newest book, The Immortaligent Leader Succeed Where Others Failed, I highlight this idea of a leader making sure that he or she work on the know, like, and trust factor. Because the more people get to know, like, and trust you as a leader, they will trust that you're not keeping from them what you are able to share with them. 
You're not trying to hurt or, you know, surprise them with anything. You're going to be as candid, as open. And when you can't talk about certain things and you will say, hey, trust me, I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that you don't get hurt in this process, something like that. They will trust that because you have built that relationship, that rapport. And, and so that is what needs to happen. So when this is slow, a slowness in engaging or re-engaging people, when there has been this lull, this this kind of, it's almost like an interruption and you don't move fast enough, then what happened now, you leave them to their own thoughts and their own inner conversations. And guess what? Because you're not leading that, the, the the results of that can be very disastrous, can be disastrous, right? And people will just, you know what? I'm gonna look for a job. I'm, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna start putting my my resume out. I'm I'm gonna start asking and and making sure making sure people know I'm available. And they're doing that on the side, so they're disengaged. They're disengaged. And this is one of those things that Gallup in one of his most recent surveys found is that people are, you know, the high percentage, almost 70% of people are, are, are disengaged in the workplace. And this could be one of, one of the reasons why they're disengaged, because there's not a clear communication around a transition that's occurring. Maybe it could be that a leader or a, you know, a president or a CEO or someone in the top is leaving the company. Maybe it's their immediate boss that's leaving and they don't even know why. It's like, Somebody have just kind of announced it. So that creates tension, creates anxiety. And so when there's a, a slowness to re-engage during this transition, you could run the risk of having your best people leave or just have high turnovers taking place, right? And then performance suffers and also productivity. Number two, too high of a workload. Too high of a workload. Now, this tend to happen when companies are kind of paring back and they're reducing their staff, but they're expecting productivity to be as it was when they had more people. And also some are expecting it to be more because of competition. They want to be in comp- they want to compete at a high level with their competitors, right? And so there is a a workload that's placed on their people that is just, it's almost like unrealistic. And so you have less people doing two times the work. And, and so people are looking at that. And, and especially if there is not a reward system or an acknowledgement system in place, then what happened is that's where people are going to start pulling back and say, hey, you know what? I mean, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm really, I, I just, I, I can't, I can't. And so they slow the process down or just quit or just not show up or they could just, you know, call in sick. So you find that begins to happen. And also when there's a high expectation, you know, for example, based and I would say based on false premise, because maybe that there's a comparison taking place. Oh, you know, Joe or, or, or Joy, when they had that position, they were able to do X, Y, Z. Or it could be that, Somebody who is a principal owner or has high stakes in the company is, you know, busting their tail and working 
14, 15, 16 hours a day, and they're expecting someone who does not have that kind of investment in the company to do likewise. That ain't going to happen. That is not going to happen. I saw recently a post on LinkedIn where this guy, Gary Vaynerchuk, if you know of him, if not, it's not important, but he is a very high influencer in the space of the internet space, right? Digital space and, and social media. And he, I saw recently where he posts that he, he, as the owner of his company, cannot expect his people who are not owners of his company to do as much as he does in the company. And this is a loose paraphrase of what he said, but that's the idea. He said he doesn't have that expectation because he knows it's crazy to think that way. But it's un, you know, unsurprisingly, some people think that that should be true. If I can do it, you can do it too. But the stakes are higher. I don't have a buy-in I have been brought in as you might have. I don't have a vested interest or I've not been recognized and acknowledged for my the value I bring like somebody else is. Why do you expect me then to be working that much, that way. So when there's a high work, workload, it's from the expectation. And, and also, too, it could be because of the demand of the time we're, we're living in to produce, and there's a slowness to automation. So others are automating and are producing much more than a, our competitor, or a, you, the competitor, and you're wondering, why aren't we doing the same? Well, we don't know how much automation they have done and so we expect the workload to be, to the work to be, as far as productivity to be done in our place when we have not automated and brought our place up to, to par, but we expect that to happen. So the workload becomes very, very demanding. People will, will um, leave as a result of that. And there's high turnovers as a result of that. Number three, limited opportunities for growth and advancement. Limited opportunities for growth and advancement. Some, because some companies do not invest in their, the personal development of their people, of their leaders, and they expect people to somehow perform as a high performer when they're not providing opportunities for them to grow. It, it doesn't work, right? That, that has to be a, a part of this new season of life or era of life that we have to realize we have to train people and invest in their personal development as far as our skills are concerned because what is happening because again of automation and artificial intelligence and all of that the projection that comes much quicker is that people are not trained with the new skill sets that are needed there there are other skills there are technical skills that they had that once worked is no longer. It's almost obsolete. And now they're faced with this. And so when there's not opportunities to grow and to expand, and then also how to be promoted, people are going to get you know exasperated and just leave. They're just, enough is enough. They're tired and they're going to be out of there. And so when also there's not a clear channel of, pro- of promotion, how do I get promoted. And if not a promotion to a leadership position, it could be that new positions with new titles are created. 
something happens when a person is given a title that makes them feel important. You know, it's like, it's amazing to see nowadays some titles that are being created for people who were once known as, for example, a janitor, right? Or a, a garbage collector or a, um, a valet park, whatever it might be, just the blue collar workers. But what I find is that some companies are getting smarter and they're revising and revamping the old titles they once had. Do you know what I'm talking about? Have you done that? So am, am I right about that? Right? I think I am. And, and so what happened, it almost elevate overnight a person's sense of well-being, you know, self-esteem, confidence, because you have given them a new title. And so the opportunity, it may not be for a vertical growth process where they go into leadership per se, but there's some advancement of some kind. And it could be to a new title, right? It could be, again, to a new position. But is that clear? Are, are there investment being made for personal development or, and or professional development? What is in place? And if it's not, that is going to be a reason for especially the current day workers we have, the workforce, where are, this is part of what they're expecting, is what they're used to, is their norm. And when they don't get this, they're out of there. There's not a loyalty anymore as once was. Forget that. So the limited opportunities for growth and advancement can also become a stickling, uh, a point of contention for some. Number four, a non-inclusive culture. A non-inclusive culture. What do I mean by that? People can tell right away by looking into the window, so to speak, of your company and kind of have a feel of what it's like. They're looking for the makeup, the diversity, how many people you have that are minorities working there, how many people who you have who are, you know, are there equal numbers or close enough of male and female working there? You know, they're looking for those things. Are they all a certain type? Now, I understand some companies for their their PR, they're built on certain things, and I understand that. But for the most part, I think that there's a non-inclusive culture. The message or the word on the street is that you are non-inclusive, where you don't open the door or you're not intentionally seeking to hire people, a diverse kind of workforce, then that is a something that can become a turnoff especially for the millennials and the generation Zs. It, it's, it's, it should be for anyone, but for especially who are making up the majority of the workforce now in the 21st century, that is something of they're looking for, they're watching, and they're more in tune to that. Sometimes the old schoolers, right, may not even see that. It may not be glaring as it is for the younger generation. They have the uncanny the, um, ability to immediately detect those things because they're looking for that. They've been conditioned that way. They hear that messaging coming through so much that they're now prone to look for those things. So when there's a lack of, of diversity and the appearance is such, they're going to make their own conclusion. 
that you are a non-inclusive culture. And again, but also the word on the street could be that way. Remember I mentioned earlier is that if your people are there and they don't feel as if they're wanted, then that is a message that you're not inclusive. You are probably inclusive to certain types. And that's, again, is where you're not managing that properly, that messaging that gets out there. So a non-exclusive culture. Number five. So we've talked about so far. So far, the first four I've mentioned is slow to re-engage people during transition. Number two, too high of a workload. Number three, limited opportunities for growth and advancement. I hope you're going through and checking and asking yourself the question. How is that in your own environment, your leading, your people, your team? How is that going for you? Number four, a non-inclusive culture. And number five, outdated working conditions. Outdated working conditions. You know, some places you go to and you, you can tell it's outdated just because of how it's decorated, because of how the layout of the, the place is. And you're thinking, oh, man, this is like, this is old school. This is like, you know, <laughs> hopefully you're not seeing something like a, um, like a, what would I call it again? You know, those um, fax machine. <laughs> there you go. A fax machine. Maybe you're listening, listening, you're saying, Kinsey, a fax machine? What's that? That tells me that I'm, I'm aging myself, right? I'm telling on myself as far as my age is concerned. But that was a machine that we could send things over back and forth, paper and scan. And, you know, it's like scanning just in case you're wondering. So if you're seeing fax machine or typewriters, typewriters, you're getting old, really old school. Now, I'm just trying to make a point. I'm, I'm, being, I'm exaggerating, right? But my point is, though, if, if the, the, the technology is is so is such where it's not up to date. If the internet system is not the speed of that, and all those different things are just so you know it's not twenty first century, you are outdated, and those conditions are unacceptable. Now you may not think it is, but they people coming in finds that unacceptable. You know, I, I was listening again to someone recently who said when they travel. One of the most important things they're asking for. Here's what they're, what's so top on their list. How is the Wi-Fi? They want to know that there's good Wi-Fi in that hotel they're staying, right? And then the rest is, is secondary. That can be, you know, but it's almost like the five-star is based upon the strength, the speed of the Wi-Fi. They want to know that's there. And so the layout of the place, right, how people are seated or how are, is there a standing desk? All those things are innovative of themselves. How they're looking at innovation. They're looking at automation. They're looking at technology. They're looking at how up to date are you? And those things can lead to high turnovers, surprisingly, surprise, surprise, high turnovers and low engagement because people are not, they're not getting what they're used to. They can find that without having to go to, go to a workplace, right? In their schools, it's all that way now. So they're coming out expecting the world to be that way. So when they don't, they're surprised. So your, your, your um, layout, your environment ought to reflect a trendy, more, you know, I'm not talking about this idea like the Google type of environment where you have people sitting, sitting on, on those um, 
exercise balls and all that. That might not be a bad idea, but I'm not talking about that kind of stuff because that's not really what makes people productive and high performers. That may be a very small part of that, but that did not show up in the surveys and the studies that have been done. That is not what the number one thing people are looking for. And that's a whole different podcast. But the point is that this is what people are looking for. So the five things are slow to re-engage. And the question is, which of these are you guilty of? Or is your company, organization guilty of? Slow to re-engage people during transition? Too high of a workload? Limited opportunities for growth and advancement? A non-inclusive work culture, culture? Outdated working conditions? Now, these are the things, you know, if you go to my one of my, um, say, LinkedIn, for example, or any social media, or even my website at kingsleygrant.com, you, you're seeing me, I'm trying to update and modernize and, and make my, my website and my social media platforms look a certain way. Why? I've got to bring it, bring it up to the times to make sure to say I'm relevant. That is what is really happening. We have to send a relevant message. And so we, we do that on a personal level, I hope. I hope you're not wearing, you know, a, a clothing that were made for 2016 and now we're in 2019, right? That tells you it, it, it kind of ages you, right? So I hope that's what you're not, that's not happening. So I do that with my website. And also my, if you look at my subtitles of my, on my website or my social media, I'm constantly tweaking that because I, I wanted to reflect my current stage of life, work, expertise, my professional and personal development. And so, for example, it's now what I have is, you know, what my my whole passion is around, of course, leadership and working work for workplace environment. So include employees. So you'll find that my tagline will read turning leaders into celebrities and workers into rock stars that is what i'm wanting to do and so it's a whole idea of redefining leadership that's my quest to redefine leadership and so i talk about that why it's so important because it all happens with the leadership that's why i wrote the book the immortalgent leader succeed where others failed because i want to bring in this idea of immortalgence, which is, I believe, the more immortalgent a person becomes, the much more successful they, they, they will be. And of course, the word immortalgence simply means, right, it's an art of succeeding. And it simply means that you are accurately identifying and understanding your own state of being, right, your emotions, managing that, and the relationships around you, and become, and you're more skilled at decision-making, relationship management, and job performance. That is what make up the whole intelligence idea. It's simply saying that you are a different breed. You have certain things that are reflecting more the 21st century kind of leadership than what, what was in place. And that's why my whole idea of redefining leadership is, is my mission. And this, therefore, if you are interested in hearing more about this, having me come in and speak on this at your own company, organization, and or coaching leaders, yourself included, then you can reach out to me. If you go to kingsleygrant.com, K-I-N-G-S-L-E-Y-G-R-A-N-T, kingsleygrant.com, you will find how to access any of those, what I've just stated, 
a link will take you to my coaching site. A link will take you to my speaking site. And you can get to my, of course, any other connections you want is all there. So I hope that you will avail yourself of that so we can continue this conversation and I can help you in creating an environment that motivates, engages, inspires your people at all levels, at all levels, to be more productive or to lead to more productivity and higher performance. That is what it's all about. So I, I hope you can connect with me. My friend, let me just say thank you so very much for hanging in there with me today on this show. I'm, I really appreciate that. And I hope this was of great benefit um, and great value to you, which I think it was, and that you will let me know what it is that I can help you with. And if you are, which I hope, if you're listening to this show on iTunes, you know, Apple Podcasts, please, would you take a minute and just leave me a rating and a brief review, one sentence review, that would be greatly appreciated. Or if you're on LinkedIn, leaving me a recommendation, I would truly appreciate endorsements on my skills, especially on the leadership skills and training skills there. And also leave me a recommendation on LinkedIn. I would truly appreciate that. If you're finding this show, these episodes of great value, that would be my way of let you, of you saying to me, Kingsley, thank you. I'm getting great value from that. So let me hear from you in those um, instances or those places I've, I've identified. So my friend, again, thank you so very much. And remember this, you are one skill, one skill away. Let's now put this show back into the vault. Here we go. You know how this rolls. So let's put the show in the vault. Here we go. There it is. Now that this show is tucked away, I can exit Exit the command center of the Immotelligence Leadership, I mean, Immotelligent Leadership Institute and rejoin, rejoin all you good people. Okay? With that said, my friend, peace out, God bless, and I'll see you on the flip side. Yeah.